If it's a business, it means that you've got other people supporting the work and doing the work, you know, and for, for a lot of small business owners, if you feel like you can't even take a day off or you can't go on vacation because like things just won't work without you, then that's the problem. You know, that's, that's why businesses fail. And so if you can get to the point where you can take a day, you can take a week and you know that people are properly trained and they can do the work, that's what scale is. That's how you've actually delegated some work and built a, a viable business. As small business owners, we oftentimes find ourselves taking on every task in the business. This could leave you feeling burnt out or like you're stuck on a hamster wheel with very little to show for your efforts. But as a business begins to grow, this hands-on approach becomes harder and harder to maintain. I firmly believe that a business's ability to evolve and to scale, if you will, is directly dependent on the owner's ability to let go of that death grip and learn to effectively delegate. So I couldn't think of a better person to talk about that with you guys today than Chris Ronzio. Chris is the CEO and founder of Trainual, a leading software-as-a-service company that helps business automate their onboarding and training by documenting every single process, policy, and procedure into one simple system. Chris is also the host of the Process Makes Perfect podcast and author of 100 Hacks to Improve Your Business. It gets better. He is also a contributor to Inc. Magazine with a column called The Process Playbook. If you can't tell already, Chris is all about the process. Chris and the team over at Trainual are on a mission to make it easier for businesses by helping business leaders find the time to do more of what they love and providing a way to effectively document and delegate what they do. So Chris is the guy when it comes to effectively documenting and delegating processes or certain tasks in your business. And I'm super excited for this episode and i hope you find a lot of value in it so without further ado cue the intro you and i we own small businesses and we need digital marketing to maximize our online presence but the online space seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger This is Get a Grip on your marketing podcast. No BS, actionable marketing advice to help you leverage digital marketing and get what you offer in front of more people. So buckle up, put on your thinking caps, and get ready to grow. Now, here's your host, Daniel Parchment. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Get a Grip on your marketing podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Parchment. And as you heard in the intro today, Today, we are interviewing Chris Ronzio. Chris, thank you for being here. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. All right, Chris. So, you know, during my research about you, Chris, you've ran many businesses. Not only you're the CEO and the founder of Trainual, but talk to me a little bit more about your experience before getting to Trainual. 
man, how far back do you want to go? I feel like I was running businesses as soon as I could carry a bucket full of water to wash a car, you know? So like four years old, I was doing little businesses. By the time I was in high school, I probably had like 25 different business cards. I had this little fanny pack and I would print out business cards and just hand them out to all my neighbors. So it was like everything from you know, the yard services to like hosing off people's deck furniture, house cleaning services, car detailing, really anything you could do to make money as a kid. So my first business that I actually like had employees and paid taxes and that sort of thing was a video production company. Uh, I started when I was in high school and we ended up doing youth sporting events all around the United States. So 300 camera operators, three, three offices, and it was a lot of fun to grow that. Uh, second business was a consulting firm, so helping others with their operations, their processes, and that's what ultimately led to the third business, which is Trainual. And then there were a handful of other projects that I was a partner in or somehow involved with along the way. Yeah, that sounds awesome, Chris. I think, you know, entrepreneur basically, you had that entrepreneur spirit from a young age and leading up to now. Now, I'm just curious, were any of like your parents or siblings, are they also entrepreneurs or were they entrepreneurs? So my brother's our CMO. So he's been a partner in the business and, and along for the ride with me, which has been awesome. Um, my parents both had, um, you know, try, they, they had projects or entrepreneurial things. Like my dad started up a food brokerage once when I was a little kid, but it only lasted a couple years. And so most of his career was in the corporate world. My mom started a like solo um, esthetician, like, you know, doing facials and skincare and that sort of thing, uh, solo practice. And so, so I, I'd say both of them dabbled in entrepreneurship. Um, but I think what, what was the, the, the more important example was watching my dad just grind away in corporate America. No, I did not want that. So, so it definitely inspired me to figure out how to, how to do things my way. That sounds great, Chris. Now, at what aspect did you realize that systems and processes are, it's the answer to scaling a business? At what, what, what venture were you in where you were like, okay, let's, let me systemize this in order to make it more efficient and kind of take the stress off your back as the founder of the business? Well, I think people overcomplicate systems and processes and it sounds daunting and like a big burden. But for me, it was the the earliest companies that I had, you know, the, the video production company. As soon as we had a website with a contact form, I was creating a system for people to get in touch with me and fill out the required information. You know, like before that, you might just have a phone number and people call you and you've got to ask the same 10 questions on the phone. A system or a process is like asking those questions in a form online. You know, it's it doesn't have to be a complicated thing. And so little by little, as that business grew, there were constantly moments where it was like, I'm doing this over and over again. Let's put something in place to make it a little easier. And so it was buying plugins and editing software and a CRM and then training camera operators. And just little by little, the business gets more mature, but it started at the very early days. Now, now that you're at Trainual, Chris, you're the founder and you're the CEO. Now, a big thing that if you've seen Trainual ads around the internet, it's the doing, the documenting, and the delegating process. It's I like that alliteration, <laughs> the doing, the documenting, and the delegating. Talk to me a little bit more about each of those the aspects, the doing, the documenting, and the delegating. I love it. I love that you've seen that. So um, th this was something I, start, I put in one of our earliest presentations 
when I was pitching Trainual and telling customers what this is. And so the idea I came up with is in a business when you're when you're just a solo person or maybe just a couple people, everything you're doing is an experiment. You don't know if it's going to work. You're trying it different ways all the time. And so you're doing the work. You're you're testing it out. But once you're doing something consistently, then the next step is to document it. It's to write down, how did I do that thing? And so you do it and then you document it and you have to follow that process in order to delegate it. And so a lot of people go through this in the wrong way. Like they, they're they doing something themselves and they try to delegate it without documenting. So that's like telling someone else to do the thing without giving them any clear instructions. And that doesn't work, right? Like it doesn't make sense. And then the other problem people make is if you're documenting something and you don't have a clear, repeatable way to do it, then it ends up just being a, a paper you have to rip up and start over again as soon as you change the thing. And so if you follow this process where you do something consistently and then you document it clearly and then you can delegate it confidently, that that works every time. And you do it little by little with every single task or responsibility in the business. Now, Chris, from what I gather from this is that, you know, I define, so a lot of people like to say, oh, systems and processes. However, I believe the process comes before the system. In order to make a system, you have to have the process. If you don't have that, it's it's basically you can't have one without the other. Now, a process, define what is a process for me. Man, amen, brother. You're, you're like the first person that's actually said that. And I, I say the same thing. It's processes and systems. You know, a process is a step-by-step -step sequence of how you do something. A system is a technology, a tool, a person, whatever, that helps you execute the process more efficiently. And so the example I give is think about if you were, you know, planning a highway, right? You're going to pave the road a highway. You don't just pick point A to point B and you start laying down concrete and cement, right? You, you find that people are traveling between these two cities very often. There's a lot of volume of traffic. And maybe in the old days, it was like a path through the woods, you know, and then they widen the path and it's like gravel. And then, and then it's, uh, you know, it's, it's actually paved and now it becomes a freeway or a highway. Those are different systems that are making the process of going from point A to point B more efficient. And so if you think about it like that in your business, everybody has process. You have the way you do things, and then you want to plug systems in along the way to make you more efficient. Uh, that's brilliantly said, Chris. I, I like the I like the analogy of the highway and where it becomes like a, a, a maybe in the old days it was like a path that people just walked and that that's a brilliant that is a brilliant analogy, Chris. Now let's shift gears. Now this this show caters mostly to small business owners. Right. And we're in an era where let's just say, you know, with everything that's going on, small business owners already, they already have things that are not stacked in their favor. And especially COVID-19 as a catalyst, right? It's it's like problem after problem after problem. Now, Chris, I want to read off some stats here. I'm looking at on the Department of uh Labor, the Bureau of Labor. So it says about 20% of U.S. small businesses fail within the first year. By the end of the fifth year, roughly 50% have failed. After 10 years, only about a third of businesses have survived. Now, Chris, you, as a small business owner, you might be reading this and saying, okay, what's going to make me survive past the 10 year? How does that look? You know, talk to me a little bit more about 
the doing the documenting process for and how how could small business leverage that to grow their business, systematize it and grow their business profitably? Yeah, so this is everything in a small business. Like if you're listening to this and you know small businesses this is where we focus. Most small businesses start as one or two people. And what I would say is if you can get above the hump where you become five or 10 people and you've effectively scaled what you're doing off of your plate and onto someone else's plate, then the stats are entirely different. The stats that you're rattling off there, that's for people that never get out of doing the thing themselves. That's one, two, three person companies that never stop doing that thing themselves. And what happens is there's market pressures that are against you. You know, there's recruiters that are trying to hire you and, and tempting you with better opportunities and full-time income. And you're like, man, I'm cobbling together a paycheck month after month and I've got to feed my family or whatever. Let me just take a job. You know, so I think most businesses don't go out of business because they, you know, something happened that that shut their company down. It's because they didn't have the endurance to actually scale the business and get beyond just one, two, three people. So doing it, document it, delegating it, you know, it's a simple alliteration, like you mentioned, but that's what scaling is all about. It's about taking the thing that you do or that you started doing and training someone else to do it because that's what scale is. That's how you leverage other people and you actually grow a business. If it's just you doing something, it's a, it's, it's a contract position or it's a freelance job. If it's a business, it means that you've got other people supporting the work and doing the work, you know, and for, for a lot of small business owners, if you feel like you can't even take a day off or you can't go on vacation because like things just won't work without you, then that's the problem. You know, that's, that's why businesses fail. And so if you can get to the point where you can take a day, you can take a week and you know that people are properly trained and they can do the work, that's what scale is. That's how you've actually delegated some work and built a, a viable business. That is, that is brilliantly said, Chris. And I think, you know, while you were talking here, I'm looking at myself like, you know, is this, is this, um, this is something that applies to me. This is why I was so excited for this episode because Personally, you were saying that you mentioned a lot of recruiters are are contacting you saying, hey, come this way. You could get like a secure paycheck instead of cobbling a paycheck together. And I'm sitting here like, okay, I just had like recruiters contacted me, I think last weekend. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? <laughs> I'm going to say no to that. I'm still going to cobble my paycheck. But this is, I was, as I said, I was so excited for this episode because I, the tips that you're going to drop today, I know they're going to be gems so I could take them as well. Not only myself, but people listening to this podcast could take them and scale their business. Now, we've talked a little bit about scale here. When do you know a business is ready to scale as a small business owner? It's ready to scale when you're doing something the same way. You're doing something consistently. And so I think a lot of businesses can't scale because they do so many different things. Like when you're just a solo person or two people, you're tempted to take any kind of project that comes your way. If it's in any way related to your skill set, you're like, yo, I'll do that. I will do that. I will do that. Because again, you're in this like cobble together mode where you're like, all right, 500 bucks here, $1,000 there, $5,000 there, massive job. And now I've put together kind of like a replacement income for the month and I'll worry about next month, next month. <laughs> you know, like that's the mindset that a lot of people have. And so when you've got a menu of services that starts to shrink, 
And when you're doing the same service or the same type of project, or you're creating a product and shipping it the same every time, now you're ready to scale because now you're saying, okay, if I can do five of these myself and I'm doing them the same way, why not bring someone else over and train them to do five? And now I can step back and maybe I only do it twice a week and we do seven a week as a company, but now I've got other hours in the day to work on some other aspects of the business. And now I can hire a third person and they do five. Now I hired some rock star and they did eight, you know, like that's, that's when you're scaling is when you're doing things repeatedly. But if as a business, you're like, we'll take whatever comes to us, you know, I'll take whatever service someone will pay me my, like a blank check for, for hours of my time, then it's really hard to get out of that trap. And so, so for anyone listening that feels like they're not yet ready to scale, I would say, look at everything you've done across the last year that people have paid you for and try to figure out what's the thing that you could do a hundred times, you know, what's the thing that has the biggest market or that has the biggest demand or that's easiest to train someone else to do. And like, that's the thing to grow your business around. Now, I like that you mentioned consistency. I think that's brilliantly said where it's, if you could consistently do something over and over again, you basically could clone yourself if you may and hand it off to somebody else. Right. I think that one of the things that I personally struggle with and a lot of small business owners struggle with is that death grip that we have on basically or business that that's our brainchild, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, whatever we do, whatever services we offer, it's a death grip of one in things done our way. It's our way or the highway, right? How, how do you know as a business owner what to delegate? You know, w- what, what does step one of the delegation process looks like? Great question. All right. So there's a couple, a couple things here. So first of all, as a, as a solo person, you probably have some creativity and some unique ways of doing things. So let me give you an example. When I had my video production company at the very beginning, we would do music videos. We would do wedding videos and bar mitzvahs and really like any, anything that people would pay us for. Again, I was in that trap. And so one of the specialty things that I did as a, a video editor is I would put a ton of attention into the music and the animations and the introductions and these beautiful theatrical openings to what would be like, you know, a dance recital video or something like that. And I realized when I went to college and started hiring other editors, they had entirely different styles, entirely different ways of doing something. And so the customer would point out those inconsistencies and be like, well, you sold me on the way you did it and you brought someone in that did it totally differently. Now, how my video company scaled was that we actually stopped doing all of the graphics, all the titles, all the animations, and it became like raw HD video start to finish of an event because we could deliver that consistently. So again, back to the last point, you've got to look at what you can do consistently before you can kind of start to delegate because it's hard to delegate your own unique creativity and how, how you would approach something. All right. So now what to delegate, what to take off your plate for most people, there are administrative tasks that someone else could help you with. Now, some of us might lean on family members or friends, or, you know, you're bringing someone in because you just need an extra hand. Right. And if that's the case, if you can lean on a friend to do something, then you could lean on a virtual assistant or a part-time employee. You're just afraid to pay someone. And so I think it's it's like this this hurdle you've got to get over where you say I'm making an investment to to not to pay someone else, but to buy some of my own hours back. That's how you've got to look at it. 
So a perfect example of this, it sounds ludicrous, but when I was a solo consultant, I was just, you know, I was billing for time. I'm trying to find more hours in the day. And so I remember hiring someone off the internet to come and do my laundry at my house because I was like, if I can buy back those two hours, then I can sit at the computer and close more deals and send out more contracts. And so again, you think about something as an investment instead of a cost, it helps you justify and make those bets. And as a a business owner, you've got to be comfortable making those bets to delegate tasks. Now, I think, Chris, you know, it's, it's, you mentioned buying back your time. I think that that's one of the things many business owners like myself, we struggle with. And instead of seeing buying back your time as an investment, at first I was looking at it like, you know, I have to pay this person maybe, let's say, for example, if I hired him for the day, I have to pay them maybe like $200 a day or like $150 a day, whatever it is. And I was looking at it like, oh, that's just eating out of my money, more money that I could put towards to do something else. Yeah. But when I reframed it like that, just buying back my time, it was for me, it was like eye opening, right? It was really eye opening. So I hired a VA starting in January. January was that the first time I've ever let go, like loosen up the death grip, so to speak, <laughs> on my business. And let me tell you what you've mentioned buying back your time i can't tell you how 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 many how many hours that have saved me into putting towards something else that could actually grow the business right grow the business in the, where i see it from 5 years from now 10 years from now where, wherever it may be now with delegating chris what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you've seen so when you delegate tasks to someone you're always having to give them more work. They're always going to keep coming back to you and say, what next? What next? And it starts to feel like this takes more time to explain than I'm actually saving. And so what I recommend is instead you delegate ongoing responsibilities. So an example of this might be you hire someone that's going to process all the leads that come in through your website and they're going to filter them or they're going to do some screening call with them or they're going to put them on your calendar. Now that is a responsibility and it's an ongoing need for the business. Every time this happens, you will do this thing. If all of you're doing is delegating one-time tasks like, hey, I need you to buy this on Amazon, then that, you know, maybe it saves you 30 seconds or 60 seconds. And it's like, well, here's my credit card and here's where I want it shipped. And here you like, you might as well just done it yourself. But now if they're responsible for maintaining all the office supplies and they've got a list of the supplies and what they need to be stocked at. And it's something they do every Friday. That's a responsibility. And so think about what you're delegating, not in terms of one-time tasks, but in terms of ongoing support. Now, I think the the idea of delegating, as you said, going down that to-do list, ideally you're going to have, if you hire a VA, as you said, you're going to reach out to you and say, hey, what's next? What's next? And hiring for the, the job position or the responsibility, so to speak. I think that's a better way to approach delegating. Now, how does documenting affect the delegating process? How, if you poorly document, how does that affect the delegating process? Or if you document how you want things done, how, how does that influence the delegation process? Yeah, most performance problems are communication problems. You know, like if someone does something wrong, chances are you didn't give them the best instructions. If you gave them the perfect instructions and they still didn't do it right, now maybe you found the wrong person. But I've found that more often than not, 
If you have a performance issue, you have a communication problem. And communication is, you know, it can be verbal, it can be written, but documenting a process, see the instructions for how to do something is just a form of communication. So by taking the time to write down all the steps and give it to someone, um, what you're doing is, is you're formalizing your business. You're, you're taking a step towards maturity. Now, they might not do it perfectly, and they might poke holes in it or ask you questions about it. And what that does is it refines your documentation. You know, you answer the questions by updating how the thing is written down. And it's a, it's a feedback loop that's crucial if you really want to get something off your plate. Now, I think the, the, the communication aspect of it is essential, Chris. Now, as I mentioned before, as small business owners, we have a ten, tendency to have the death grip on our business. How do you, what are your tips on shifting your mindset from having a death grip on your business to being okay with delegating a task? <laughs> it, part of it starts with vision. So it depends on what your vision is for the company. Now, if you are an artisanal, you know, uh, furniture maker and you want to make um, rocking chairs all year and make a hundred of them and charge a thousand dollars per chair and you're perfectly happy with the hundred the K income per year, then you, you maybe you never need to, to delegate. You never need to hire. And that's that's a choice that people make. Um, so for, for the business owner, you've got to set your sights on what am I trying to produce with this business? And so if you're if if what you're trying to produce is an income then you're not going to be making the decisions to delegate. You know, if you're trying to produce five times your income, 10 times your income, like build a real business, pay other people's incomes. And I think we have, you know, our, our like a, a couple dozen kids now of, of employees here at Trainual. And you think about like the, the ripple effect of, of what this business has created. It's a powerful thing. And if that's what you're trying to produce, you need to be okay with delegating. And so what I've found is that, you know, you, you, you either delegate by training someone up on a skill or you delegate to someone that does the thing way better than you and you're, you're hiring external skills. And so there's, there's kind of two ways to do it. And it depends on where you're at in your business, what level of, of talent, a person you're bringing in, but both ways can work. You've just got to expect that there's a, a ramp up time. That is brilliantly said, Chris. I think that, you know, over like delegate, letting go of the death grip, as you said, you just have to be okay with the delegation process. Now, in terms of delegating or what are your best tips to effectively document so you could effectively delegate? <laughs> I think the easiest way to document is through a quick video. So if you're, if you're just getting started, just record your screen. You know, if you are, may, maybe you've had to train someone in the past and you've sat next to them or you've done a Zoom call or you've had a phone call or something like we're all communicating and training and answering FAQs. We just do a bad job of recording them. So if you can pay attention the next time you're explaining something to someone and save that video and put it in a centralized place, that's a really easy way to do it. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's just being intentional on knowing when you're, you're communicating something and then just pushing the record button. Right. I think, you know, as you said many times in this interview, that the way that you document a task could affect the outcome, whether positive or negative of the delegation process. Now, 
What are some of the common mistakes you see some people make when they hire a person to delegate a task? Wow. Uh, loaded question. I mean, hiring is one of the hardest things that you can learn how to do. And so the, the, uh, the, the biggest mistake would just be hiring the wrong person. And so I think you should uh, take your time in the interview process. Now, at the beginning, when you're kind of desperate for someone to help out and you'll take anyone with like a heartbeat, you know, that's what a lot of us do. We're like, oh, you're available right now. Perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, you know, you, you start to evolve as, as a company and you set the bar higher and higher for the, the type of person you want to hire. And so, you know, for us, we have uh, a recruiting process where we're, we're looking for people, we're curating profiles, and then we get them interested. We ask people to do some sample work, some research on us. We actually will assign them content in Trainual to make sure that they read it and go through it. And, that, you know, we, it's, it's like you're setting these hurdles along the way to make sure that the person really wants the job and that they really have the skills that they say they have. Because if they can prove that they can do the thing and you know that before they even accept the offer, then there's a lot less risk that it won't work out in the end. And so I would recommend if you're bringing someone in, you know, have them do a sample project, hire them as a contractor first, hire them as a, you know, to do, to work for a day with you or on a weekend, if they've got another job, make sure you like working together, do a, a demo session over zoom and, and collaborate over a problem that they would be helping with after you hire them. Because working with someone like, you know, it's, it's like the test drive before you buy, buy a car, you know, making an offer and hiring someone and filing the I-9s and the payroll and all this stuff only to find out that they, they oversold themselves. That's, that's a horrible waste of time. And so if you can front load that effort, you end up with much better people. Now, I like the idea of just pretty much like it's, it's like a car before you buy, you bring, bring it for a test drive, you know. I like that idea of hiring them as an independent contract or maybe like a demo day to collaborate on on certain tasks. Now, once let's say for example you're the the small business owner, now that you've delegated all the tasks, what what are some of the things that you would focus on or what are some of the things that you recommend a business owner focus on? Well, you're always moving like one step up, one step up, you know, like a, a little bit at a time. So you don't make these massive leaps in the business. Like you, you're not going to delegate some responsibility in the business and then totally disappear. You know, you're still involved with that thing because now you're taking a role of kind of coaching and mentoring and refining and, and working with that person on performance and helping them think through problems that maybe you've dealt with in the past, but they haven't had to experience. And so Little by little, you're peeling back responsibilities from your plate. So if you're just starting out, think of it as like you've got this container and 100% of the stuff is in your container. And I, what most people need to do is to create some sort of journal or time log or look back through all of your, your, um, your calendar and your emails, figure out what all the things on your plate are. And then if you look at that list, try to just assign rough percentages of like this thing takes up this percentage of my time and this thing takes up this percentage of my time. And so if you can take one thing off your plate that frees up 20% of the time, your, your focus is now that other 80% and increasing your commitment to those things until that's up to 100% of your time, you know? And now you look at the mix again and you say, what else can I take off my plate? And now I, I do one fewer thing, but now that has room to grow. And so it's it's this, this growth over time of like shedding a responsibility 
and taking on the, the coaching and the management of the person that's now doing that until you've taken off most of the day-to-day responsibilities. And then when you get to that point in the business, you're more focused on on vision and market positioning and what are we going to do next and and uh, you know financing and how and strategic partners and you get to really dive into the the fun stuff um, but it takes a while to 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 carve out each of those areas now i like that you said just shedding it's pretty much like shedding a layer every time one responsibility at a time now as a small business owner say let's say they've delegated tasks everything is going pretty well what are what are some KPIs that you would recommend a small business owner pay attention to when they're auditing the effectiveness of the delegation processes? The number of days that they've taken a vacation. <laughs> That's the KPI. You know, like if, if, uh, if you look back at your calendar, how many days were you disconnected from the business? And that will tell you how, how systematized and how well delegated everything's been in the business. Um, I know the, you know, w- when I was doing my consulting business, I had some, some crazy number of like 140 days one year. Um, because I was, I was in the mode of like, how do I, how do I automate and operate things very efficiently? And how do I build a small productive team so that I can just show up and do consulting engagements? And that's, that's a system I was building at that time. So that's not the system everybody wants to build. But if you are in the day and trying to get some space, I think the vacation KPI is a, is a good one. No, I, 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 I'm laughing at the, the fact that you said the vacation KPI. Now, I think that, you know, one of the struggle, it's, you know, as a small business owner, you want to scale your business, you want to level up, you want to make your business more profitable. And you start hiring a team. How do you, what are your tips on of getting your team on board for the, the scaling process or the delegation process, if you will, let's say, for example, the team is used to doing things one way and you change gears and made it, made it more systematized where things are more efficient. What are your tips for getting the team on board with the new vision of the company? So it starts with really open communication before you roll out the change. You want to understand the problems that people are having in their own words so that they feel somewhat responsible for why you're introducing the change. So when I was consulting, one of the things I did, I'd go into every business and I'd interview almost every employee. And so this was like 2000 employees or something that I interviewed over the course of a couple of years. And I would ask these questions like, if you had a secret assistant that no one knew worked for you and they were like hidden under your desk, what are the things that you would give them? What, like, what would you delegate to them? Um, or if this company had twice as much work starting tomorrow, what are the things that would stress you out the most? And those sort of questions are very personal. It gets to like what that person doesn't like doing, does like doing, feels burdened by in the business. So as an owner, you want to take inventory of those things and you want to figure out where are the pain points in the business. That way, when you introduce a change, it's not just in a silo stuck in your head to say like, this is what I think we're doing. It's like, well, you said this and you said this and you said this. Hey, I found this thing that would solve that and that and that. What do you guys think? And then everybody's like, that sounds amazing. Let's absolutely do that. You know, so so it really just comes down to enrolling everybody in the process. Brilliantly said, Chris. I think one of the things that I have learned this year, it's leveraging technology. Let's say you don't have a big team, leveraging technology to buy back your time. So I'll give you an example. 
I used to send for all clients, we sent out weekly or monthly reports or biweekly whenever they wanted. And I used to manually do that in data studio, Google data studio. Now that took up a bunch of time because I was pulling data from Google AdWords. I was pulling data from call rail. I was pulling data from Google, my business. And that took up a lot of time. So I found out about a, a company called Watagraph, W-H-A-T-A graph. And they send that automatically. Basically, the customer says, hey, I want this biweekly. They send it out like clockwork. Yeah. You know, what are your tips on how to, how to, let's say that business owner that's out there that doesn't want to spend the money on technology to buy back their time. You know, granted, this, this software is pretty expensive. It, it costs me like $150 or $200 a month just, just for that. But how I look at it is if I hired another person, I'd pre- pretty much be paying them more than that monthly. What are your tips on, you know, leveraging technology to help, help to scale your business? Yeah, it's exactly what you said. You're, bu- you're in making an investment to buy back a measurable number of hours. And so if you look at the time you're dedicating to these kind of manual tasks and you look at the hourly wage that you think you would be paid, you know, if you took your salary and amortize it across 2080 working hours or whatever it is, like you, everybody has some, some kind of rough, rough hourly rate. And you think about like, well, does it make sense? Would it, if I can save 10 hours a month with this thing, should I do it? And so I think of technology tools as a way to build a robotic, insane employee from the future (laughs) that like, you know, if you spend a hundred bucks here and 50 bucks here and $300 here and you bundle them all together, think about the hours that that robotic superhuman employee is, is saving you on a monthly basis. You know, like if you, if, if I sold that to you as a person, you would be like, what for $750, they're going to do these 10 things that save me a hundred hours a month. Like, absolutely. I will take that deal. But when I tell you it's software, you're like, Oh, another subscription, like another, another thing. And so you've got to reframe it in your mind to say, how much time is it saving me? But then it goes back to that earlier point to say, like, if you are going to make that investment of however many hundreds or thousands of dollars, it's because you believe that freeing up those hours will create more capacity for bringing in more work, you know, and, and, and you've got to be able to do that. Now, if, if you're just going to pay those expenses and do nothing else, then sure, you're, you're putting less on the bottom line. But if you're making those investments, because you know, freeing up that capacity lets you handle one or two more clients a month that are going to pay you a certain retainer, then you're like, that equation makes sense. Let's do that. So it's all about, the vision of what you want to bring in, your capacity for serving all of those customers, and then the superhuman tools that make it possible. I like the uh, the analogy of like the superhuman robot. I I didn't think of think of it like that. Now I think I saved this question for last, Chris. And as we come to a close here, I saved this question for last because I think it's a big thing that a lot of people struggle with. What are your tips on fighting perfectionism? Just take a deep breath, (laughs) you know, like you can't, it can't be perfect. You, you are always going to coach people toward your vision of perfection. That's our responsibility. But if you expect perfection day one, you're setting yourself up for failure. So 
again, this is kind of a summation of everything we've talked about. You've got to hire the right people and you've got to do the work up front to make sure you get the right people. You've got to be comfortable taking the leap and delegating and making the investment. You've got to understand that there's a training and ramp up period for people. You've got to assume the role of a mentor or a coach to get people closer and closer to the vision of what you think is perfection. But you've got to realize that everybody has a slightly different take on how they should do things. And your guiding principles have to be your vision, your culture, your core values, your your North Star metrics, like where you're trying to take the company. And as long as everyone's aligned on those things, then the intricate details about how they do things don't matter so much. You know, I'll give you an example. We're doing a company-wide, um, you know, like one of those white elephant or kind of gift things. And uh, our chief of staff asked me this morning, she's like, do you want to see the list of all the presents we bought for this exchange? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I'm sure you guys did a good job, <laughs> you know? And and if, if I had, you know, that that's such a silly example, but that's five or 10 minutes of looking through a spreadsheet. And I guarantee you, I would have picked different things. I don't know what's on the spreadsheet, but if I did it on Amazon or whatever, I would be like, oh, this is kind of weird and this is silly and why do we do this? I would have feedback. But you've got to resist giving feedback on the things that don't matter. Save your feedback for the big things, guide the vision of the company, empower people to make decisions, and then coach them to get better over time. Now, Chris, as we come to a close here, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. But before we go, you know, where could people find you? Where could people learn more about you and learn more about Trainual? Yeah. So Trainual is like a training manual. So trainual.com. Go there. That is a, a, a one-stop shop for everything. Training, onboarding, standard operating procedures, process, systems. We put a ton of work into that. So check that out. If you want to connect with me, I hang out most on Instagram and LinkedIn. So just at Chris Ronzio on either platform. Send me a DM. Love to hear from you. That is great, Chris. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And I thank you for coming here today to share your knowledge with us. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Get a Grip on Your Marketing Podcast, the number one source for no BS, actionable marketing advice. Make sure to visit our website, podcast.buzzcrowd.net, where you can view show notes, subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS to never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Until next time, this is Get a Grip on Your Marketing Podcast, signing off.